Hello, I am Keith, and this is The Volume Knob. The songs that saved your life. This week, Michael and Play Me That Rhythm. When I was in the third grade, maybe about nine or ten years old, I wanted to be a rock star. I don't think I had the slightest idea what that meant. I mean, it's not like I was really into rock music per se. I do remember listening to my mom's Neil Diamond records and thinking that he and Helen Reddy were certainly doing something special when they sang, You Don't Bring Me Flowers. Another thing I do remember was an art project that I did in Mrs. Mung's third grade class. We were all supposed to draw ourselves, our grown-up selves, doing our dream job. For me, that meant looking a little like Elton John. I had a huge white floppy hat and sunglasses and a wild white suit with bell-bottom trousers. The bell-bottoms were emblazoned with piano keys spangled and running from ankle to hip they sparkled in the spotlights it looked pretty cool uh, but it was nothing like my actual first job which was writing for the company newspaper at the aluminum plant in Kitimat, British Columbia it was called the ingot I wrote about styrofoam cups unlike me My guest this week managed to build a career that looked like my third grade fantasies, or at least part of them. And he wouldn't have gotten there without the song that saved his life. My name is Michael Barkley. I'm a writer in Toronto, and the song that changed my life is by the Montreal band Condition, and it's called Play Me That Rhythm. Michael admits that as a kid, his musical taste didn't really veer towards the adventurous. He was really into ABBA. One day, however, his uncle Rob came to visit the family at their home in Scarborough. Michael's dad was dependable. Michael describes his father as the only white sheep in a family full of black sheep. His uncle Rob, however... My dad thought he was nuts. His brother Rob was, you know, a football star and, and ladies' man and, and uh, kind of hippie uh, living in, in rural Ontario as, as a carpenter who would play flute and harmonica with blues bands at the local inn on the weekend. So very different career path than my dad, who sold insurance. Uh, but he, he came over once and, and was like, oh, you like cool music? And, and I think we bonded over Herbie Hancock's Rocket. He's like, if you like cool music, you should listen to this show called Brave New Waves. But I didn't really think anything of it. And again, CBC was kind of alien to me. Uh, I was 12 or 13 at that point and would never think of listening to CBC radio. That's what he thought, at least. But as the saying goes, desperate times call for desperate measures. About a year later... Michael was at the family cottage north of Peterborough, coincidentally not far from Uncle Rob's place, and he heard the strangest song floating through the airwaves 
in the country late at night. I was scanning the radio dial looking for anything to listen to, and I came across the sound. I had missed the DJ introduction. All I heard were these drums that didn't sound like any drums I'd heard before, and this kind of vamping bass line played on an organ. The squawking saxophone started up, and then this woman's voice, which was unlike anything I'd ever heard. kind of jazzy, kind of bluesy, kind of punk. The entire song, there's not much to the lyric, there's not much to the song, except that it keeps changing keys and it, it on this upward trajectory to the point where she's really just wailing and pushing the limits of her voice. She's hitting all the notes. It sounds like she won't. It's this act of in incredulity listening to it. I'd never heard anything like this before. I, I needed to know what it was. The DJ came on. Welcome to the waves. I'm Brent Bambury. I'm just a guy who understands the hedonistic allure of late night FM. His name is Brent Bambury. The show is Brave New Waves. It turned out I was listening to CBC Music, what was then known as CBC Stereo. It's one thing to discover music like this. It's another thing to discover it literally in the middle of the woods by a lake in a cabin. Uh, 45 minutes north of a small college town. As songs go, Michael is the first to admit that Play Me That Rhythm is not for everyone. In fact, he says his own spouse can't stand it. But that night at the cottage, it opened a door for him. He became obsessed with Brave New Waves. I started listening to this show every single night. It started at 11 p.m. I, I listened to usually at least the first two hours, maybe more. It messed with my sleep habits all through high school. The programming was so eclectic and so all over the place. Um, this was the first time I would have heard things like Public Enemy. It was the first time I heard a lot of punk rock. Uh, this was the first time I heard things like Jonathan Richmond. First time I heard things like Skinny Puppy. Um, I can't imagine a radio show today that, that would play all of these things together in the same space. And it was curated so well, and Banbury was such an excellent host. Um, it was never condescending, it never sounded like he was uh, above you, uh, he wasn't lecturing, it was, it was very inviting, the entire experience. And it exposed me to so many things I wasn't reading about in newspapers, I wasn't hearing on other radio stations, a lot of it I wasn't even reading about in music magazines I had access to. Brave New Waves did more than alter Michael's sleep patterns. It inspired him to learn an instrument and make a band. For a lot of people, their entry into forming the first band is punk rock. I don't play guitar. I've never played guitar. And I like some punk rock, but I was never totally drawn to that scene. Hearing a band like Condition was a whole other entry point for me picked up the saxophone for a bunch of reasons. I mean, it was the 80s, so there's a lot of saxophone in the air. Um, but I like to think that condition was part of that. But, so I do think a cartoonish element helps as a gateway drug uh, for teenagers. And, and condition certainly was that for me. That's not to say they weren't a serious band. Uh, I think they're great players. I think they're great arrangers. There's, there's such beauty and simplicity in what they do. Um, 
but it really made for a great entry point for a 13 year old. So that inspired me directly to to play music, I think, and, and just the, the depth of things I heard on Brave New Waves. It's like entry level weird. Entry level weird is one way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's easy to understand. It's easy to get. Um, and and that, that can push you in a lot of different directions. The different direction Michael got pulled into was, well, kind of really different. It was polka. My first band was a polka band. And it was formed on a balcony in Italy because our high school teacher took a band trip to Italy. And a friend of mine brought his accordion with him. I, it seems like an enormous thing to carry. Anyway, uh, so we were on this Italian balcony and he had his accordion and we had our band instruments, saxophones and bass clarinet. And it was that eureka moment you have as a youth where you learn how to play with other people. Uh, you learn how to play by ear. You realize that all those three chord pop songs are actually quite simple and you can play them. And we just did that. And we played whatever, like the Peter Gunn theme and uh, Fever, uh, the Peggy Lee song, which actually also condition covered. So there's another direct link there. I'm, I'm grasping now what other ones we did. But eventually we would also do like uh, polka versions of Just Can't Get Enough by Depeche Mode and um, uh, Faith by George Michael was a big one. And uh, I still haven't found what I'm looking for by U2. Yeah, I mean, I was never cool. I mean, I was in a polka band, for Christ's sake. Like, this was, like, the whole point was kind of not to be cool and to kind of, like, send up the music that all the cool kids like. That sense of eclecticism that he learned from Brave New Waves was one of the major influencers later in Michael's career. The other one was mediocrity. Brave, listening to Brave New Waves made me a more curious person and made me want to engage in the culture more deeply. So uh, in high school, I started the dormant high school newspaper up again, um, and mostly I just wanted to write about music. And when I went to university, I walked into the campus paper the very first week and said I want to write about music, and I did every week of my first year uh, and became entertainment editor in the second year. And then I didn't think I was cut out for radio until I listened to more and more campus radio and realized um, kind of how low the bar is there. <laughs> and I've always been someone who's been inspired as much by mediocrity as by excellence. And by that, I mean, you know, I'm sure this is true for a lot of people with punk rock and, and related things. It's like, well, I can do that. And I listened to some campus radio. I'm like, surely I can do that as well. And so I went into it inspired by Brave New Waves and, and played extremely eclectic, non-genre specific uh, music. Michael never quit doing what he loved. Campus journalism led to work in music magazines and fill-in spots on CBC late at night. Eventually things came full circle and he got offered a dream job at the show where his whole odyssey had begun. The first time I walked into that building and that studio and that office, uh, to be there was probably the biggest thill of my life. Because, um, you know, people they say things like this, this or that changed my life. Brave New Waves literally did. I can't imagine my life without it. And so it changed my life once when I was in high school by hearing Condition. And then it changed my life again by uprooting me 
uh, and hiring me and giving me greater such great confidence that I was deemed worthy enough to work at that Brave New Waves under Patty Schmidt at that point was the host and producer and had been for for a while. Michael spent three years at Brave New Waves and has since moved on to write books about Canadian music, including Have Not Been the Same and the 2018 bestseller, The Neverending Present, a biography of Gord Downey and the Tragically Hip. Can you imagine how it would have been different had you not turned on the radio that night in the cottage? Uh, Yeah, I wonder about that all the time. I'm sure many people do about these moments. Um, I I can't imagine finding another place where I would have got into all those things through one entry point. The entry point being Brave New Waves. Uh, And maybe I would have heard a different song that brought me into that world. But for whatever reason, it was condition. It was this band with this woman with this incredible voice, this unusual voice. Um, so condition was just such a perfect mix of stuff. It was such a, a, a left field take on a genre, and it really sounded like nothing else. And so all those things uh, opened the door for me into Brave New Waves, and then Brave New Waves was a room full of everything else I would discover in my life. Hearing that condition song cracked my mind open and put me on a a whole different path. It made me a more open-minded person. It made me more curious. Eventually, it, it led to my career as a writer and broadcaster. Hey, it's Keith, and I produce and edit and write The Volume Knob, which is a weekly exploration of the power of personal stories and the power of song. Thanks so much for listening to it. Thanks as well to Michael Barkley for his time and his talents this week and sharing his story. If you want to learn more about The Volume Knob, a good place to do it is on our website. It's at www.volumeknob.net. We're also on Twitter and on Facebook and on all those other places. If you like the show, you can give us a thumbs up on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or your podcast directory of choice. So thanks to Michael this week, and I want to thank as well my son Miles and my daughter Kate for their intriguing review of Play Me That Rhythm. Go ahead. What did you think? Okay, well, I thought that at the start it kind of sounded like one of those jumping like video game themes, and then it turned into a spy theme, and then it turned into my band was looking for a new singer, and no one was really good at the audition, so we made the song words to fit the voice. Thank you. Personally, I kind of think of it, it's somewhat spy movie but it's the old spy movies. It's the old spy movie um, bar scene where they're all in in a bar and there's a and there's this woman singing in the background and it just kind of sounds like it would fit right in in one of in in the in that exact thing which to be honest is very specific but that's what I think. Hope to see you again next week for more of the stories about the songs that saved our lives. <laughs>